I'm very hopeless at casual sex. I think I do need a strong emotional connection with somebody to mm. to jump into bed with them. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Good Sex, Bad Sex, a podcast from metro.co.uk. It's a lot like vampires, but with a lot more stalking. Ah, ah, ah. Do you have your equity? <laughs> I shouldn't. <laughs> thanks, thanks. Thanks for your acknowledgement of my skills there. Three years in drama school. <laughs> my name. Oh, my God. My name. I paid for that. My name is BB Lynch. And I'm Miranda Kane. And coming up, we are talking to comedian and author and podcast host Rosie Wilby. And Rosie has written a brilliant book, Is Monogamy Dead? Mm-hmm. And hosts a fantastic podcast. I mean, is it as good as this? Oh, oh, who could say? They're both very good. They're both very good. The Breakup Monologues. The Breakup Monologues. Breakup? Are you, oh, okay. are you questioning my addiction? <laughs> Just because you've got a chuffing equity, baby. I've got one as well. <laughs> I've just been watching. There's no, no business, business like, like show business. Hello, I'm Rosie Wilby. I'm a comedian. I'm the author of Is Monogamy Dead? And I'm also the presenter of the podcast, The Breakup Monologues. It's kind of the culmination of about a decade's worth of work touring comedy shows all about sexuality, love, attraction, dating. Maybe some of the stuff that you've been talking about on stage over the years as well, my dear. Um, but <laughs> Strap-ons and tits. I know I've kind of... I'm not very I've, high I kind of, I kind of mix this kind of strap-ons and tits <laughs> and, and, and the kind of saucy stuff with the, the slightly more cerebral, nerdy kind of psychology of dating and love and attraction as well and and I'm really interested in the science of how that all works why we might be a particular sexual orientation and and all of that kind of thing so that's fascinated me for for many many years and a couple of years ago my book came out which was called is monogamy dead and that was based on well largely on a survey that I did as um, research for the sort of middle part of my trilogy of comedy shows all about attraction and love and the survey the main question in it was in a monogamous relationship what counts as infidelity because I had this idea that we kind of made a a whole load of assumptions about monogamy and fidelity and infidelity and we kind of assumed that it was the same for everybody which I don't really believe it is and this survey actually held that out because for some people you know their partner kissing somebody at a drunken party might not really matter too much uh whereas they (laughs) (laughs) were very different reactions I'm just like well, fair play, mate. Yeah, some people are just very chilled about it, yeah. like like you. And then uh, they might be more upset if their partner had developed strong emotional feelings yeah. for somebody, or fell in love with somebody else, or was maybe having a sort of virtual online relationship with somebody. These yeah. new behaviours we call micro cheating. What now. about sitting on the same um, bus level as them? <laughs> <laughs> What if they? Do you mean like what if they? If they're on the same deck as someone, (laughs) is that having a relationship? Wow, you're pretty hardcore, aren't you? Yeah. (laughs) Bibi gets worried if they escape from a basement. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, so I think it's very different um, for different people. Takes all different sorts, as they say. Um, So I was quite interested in, in investigating 
that that question and the book sort of takes the reader on my journey from the relationship that I was in at the time that was a really lovely relationship on many many levels but I suppose it would be fair to say was largely companionate and wasn't the kind of heady sexy relationship that we sort of see in the media and Mm. valentine's cards and love songs and, and that we have kind of come to expect as the sort of definition of romantic love and so I was quite interested in how that relationship was successful on many levels and I felt was a valid form of relationship but you you know we weren't asexual so I wondered if for us whether opening it up could be a possible solution you know could we kind of keep hold of all the things that were good about the partnership and you know it to some extent and purposes kind of outsource in inverted commas the sex part <laughs> of it. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I, mean, I hope you called it outsourcing <laughs> yeah no I didn't but but I'm trying to sort of show that you know in a way it all seems so simple when you think about it in purely pragmatic terms like that because in practice it's completely and utterly different when emotions and stuff are involved and actually when we even just started talking about this stuff it it became clear it was it was very complex and when you know I did start going out in the world to see if I could kind of flirt with other people and stuff um I'm very hopeless at casual sex I think I do need a strong emotional connection with somebody to Mm. to jump into bed with them um you know and and absolutely fair play if you don't I mean for research research and inverted commas for the show I did go to kind of some sex parties and stuff like that and I actually did I did comedy I did yeah very thorough I did comedy at a a sex party which was (laughs) it was such a fun gig because everyone was in such a good mood I mean you only you can only do five minutes though because they all want to go uh, into the playroom <laughs> can't you can't you know there's no one can't, no, can't go on too long um so so I and I also there's a kind of funny chapter in the book that I like reading out a lot where I go to the lesbian sauna um thinking oh this is going to be you know hot lesbian orgy but of course <laughs> all the women just end up having cups of tea and chatting and it's, it's very sweet but it's not like the kind of the orgy that my gay men friends have when they all go to the sauna and that I suppose brought up a load of questions about men and women and how we're socially conditioned to behave around sex and think about sex and how we don't even as women necessarily even kind of consciously own our desires and sort of realize Mm. how huge and vast they are there's there's all these interesting experiments I've read about um, where men and women have been shown different erotica and their arousal is measured Mm. and they kind of report their arousal as well and for women there's often a real disconnect but I recently took part in some of this research because they've not done much on lesbians and um, so (laughs) I was sitting in this little kind of booth at the University of Essex and I was um, had a little kind of silicone tampon that you sort of insert and also your pupil dilation is measured while you're looking at these images although I had to take my glasses off so (laughs) some of it was a bit blurry to be honest Um, (laughs) and and you have to then kind of rate whether you would go out with this person and and they're measuring whether you were aroused by them uh, but the really funny thing is these clips, different clips of sort of men and women masturbating and stuff, they were interspersed with a control clip to kind of calm you down a bit. <laughs> was and, it us? And the, 
Well, it was nearly as good as that, Bibi, because the control clip was a David Attenborough nature documentary. <laughs> <laughs> Which, for some people, that would be more arousing, right? <laughs> I want to know what the which one which part was it like oh it was uh, there was some grass growing on the on the African plains wow so they really went back to basics real, <laughs> it wasn't even like the lion shagging or no, anything no, like that it no, was no, grass no, it was growing. a bit of grass growing grass growing <laughs> um, but yeah so I think the idea of that research is they're trying to find out if lesbians have well they 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 say that men have more of a specificity of desire than straight women. So straight men tend to be turned on by straight women and so on, and, straight, and gay men tend to be turned on by, by men and stuff. And then when you show all the different images to straight women, they're aroused by everything, but they might not consciously say they are. And they think that lesbians might be more specific like um, like men might be, but I, I'm, I think I kind of turned that on its head because we looked at my <laughs> arousal graphs and my biggest um, peak of was arousal the was the was the graph. No, it was actually one of the men because I was like, oh, a penis because uh, <laughs> it had been a while and I was just quite curious, you know, because I, you know, I don't mind looking at a man now and then. I mean, I think we can all appreciate other yeah. bodies and other people, even if it's not the person that we are always going to end up sleeping with and falling in love with and, yeah. and staying with. So I, I find it all fascinating, really. So you're intrigued like, by the psychology of it all. And I really like what you said about um, how society kind of tells us what we should, how we should feel and what is love. You know, yeah. it tells us what, you know, because soul music has ruined my life. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And Paul and Linda McCartney. Yeah. Because well. I, yeah, well, I want their love story that you're oh. only ever apart because he was banged up for a drug charge for one night in that whole relationship. Do you know what I mean? I want that I'll die if you leave me kind of thing. And that's not real. No, it's not real. I mean, real relationships involve just the humdrum, mundane kind of stuff sometimes, don't they? Like who's going to put the bins out and who's going to clean the loo and all, all that very domestic drudgery. You know, I, I live with my partner now and we have a cat and a dog and, you know, so many of our conversations revolve around the dog and the cat. And, <laughs> and you know, you have the sort of proxy row through the dog or the cat. And, yeah. uh, you know, and the dynamic does change. Um, although, interestingly... Um, we um because for my homework for a podcast that i'm going to be chatting on about film stuff um uh, we had to watch uh, blue is the warmest color which i rewatched i'd not watched it for a long time and it does seem like netflix have cut out um one of the sex scenes which was a sex scene i didn't like anyway so didn't mind too much about that um but it was quite fun it did get get us a tiny bit zhuzhed up again because um we 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 did a pause on the scissoring scene because <laughs> Because I've got to tell you, I've never believed in scissoring. I've always thought it can't possibly work unless you're both kind of gymnasts or contortionists. So you kind of go, well, I'm going to do a backflip from the chest of drawers and land astride you somehow. And it's going to work. Um, but actually, we paused it. And we went, oh, maybe that, maybe that position could work. So we sort of did a kind of game of twister with, our, with all our clothes on. It was like a dress rehearsal rather, the un, rather than the undress rehearsal. And, uh, you know, we were like going, oh, you be the one with the blue hair. I'll be the femme one, of course. And, <laughs> and you put your hand there and she's got her leg bent and you've got your leg through there like that. And we thought, oh, well, maybe that could work. Um, so, so, yes. <laughs> I think you can still, you know, if you chat about sex and, and talk about it and 
you know, I think you can still judge things up, particularly if you have that dynamic in the first place. I think the reason I wrote the book that I did was that the person that I was with, my ex, who I'm still really good friends with, actually, which is, is really cool. And I think a mark of a fact that you did have a good connection. There was never that really, really sexy dynamic, perhaps for a whole variety of reasons. I wasn't completely over another relationship. <laughs> Back to the breakup monologues again. Um, <laughs> and the fact that I'd been dumped by email and had never quite got my head around oh. that, which of course now that would seem like nothing. But years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you had yourself lucky, lady. I know. I know. Well, it is now, isn't it? But back yeah. then, if you, this is quite a good for you years ago now I I was really I thought oh she didn't even talk to me face to face but I do always say I felt better after correcting her spelling <laughs> it's you are oh my god did you brilliant it's your dump it's yeah. you are <laughs> um the the kind of the the breakup monologues came from this interest in the psychology of relationships and stuff I'm putting totally putting words in your mouth now, but is it because it feels like such a huge deal because love's supposed to be such a huge deal? Yes, I think our expectations are so high. Like you begin a relationship and on the first date, we're all guilty of just whizzing ahead years into the future mm. and thinking, right, I'm going to spend the rest of my life with this person and it's, it's going to be amazing. And of course, it takes a lot of work and a lot of communication and trust and and all kinds of things to actually get there. And I think, you know, an important thing to think about breakups is if you have a nice relationship, but it lasts six months or a year or three years or whatever, um, you might have had a really lovely time and maybe it's a real success. I think we're too quick to judge things and think of them as a failure. There's a lot of binaries out there yeah, in the world. Forever. Yeah. 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 I think I think we, we kind of think we tend to think of relationships in very binary ways, like you're either together or you're not. You're either a couple or you're just friends or you know and I yeah, think I sometimes that. sometimes things are complicated and things are more grey and woolly I know some of my friends who have things like love affair friendships and have started kind of devising their own new language to, love affair friendships yeah I think that that person was meaning kind of romantic friendships that are not sexual but uh, feel kind of like a relationship because you really share a deep connection yeah. Oh, Vivi's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Vivi's got one of those. Oh. Uh, that's the kind of thing She's that you... Miranda. Oh, you've gone all... Oh, oh twinkly. so much. She oh. Tell me why. Uh, how does... How does breakup monologues look so you do it in front of a live audience so yes so the breakup monologues I did a first series um back when I had a bit of funding oh. <laughs> uh, I did a first series in the studio and that that was fun but then I thought being a comedian and performing on stage as much as I do I wanted to get out there and perform it live and record it in front of an audience so that's what I've done for series two most of them were recorded at King's Place oh, lovely. which is lovely yeah. not in the main big room but in a lovely kind of small Get you the big room. Can you? Of course I can. <laughs> <laughs> and, will you, and then will you come and fill it with all of your sure. friends? 
Um, she wants to bring her family. That's all you need. Well, okay, we're going to get promoted next time to the big room. But no, it's lovely there. And we've also, we did a sort of anti-Valentine's special at Poplar Union in East London as well. And I'm just about to launch season three. And the first one of those is going to be the one we recorded at Port Elliot Festival with Miranda Sawyer and Katie Brand. So that was really fabulous and really interesting. And there's a lot of fascinating talk about perimenopause and midlife and you know how for women those hormonal changes can really change who we're attracted to and you can suddenly find yourself fancying completely inappropriate people or or people you think might be inappropriate um so it really changes how you might feel and and when women come on and off the pill or women just go through their menstrual cycle, the people we're attracted to just change through all of these different hormonal cycles we go through. So how's a relationship supposed to last? Well, (laughs) I know this is the thing. And what's really interesting is if you look at all the data, which alongside being silly and funny on stage, I did look at a lot of science and data. And actually it's women who tend to leave relationships more than men. We think men stray and leave but actually um, most divorces are initiated by women Mm. and lesbians divorce at the highest rate of everybody and separate if you look at kind of civil partnership dissolution rates and now marriage same-sex marriage divorce figures and lesbians divorce at about three or four times the rate of gay male couples who stay together the longest of all which is fascinating because it's fairly typical in gay male culture to negotiate an open relationship yeah. and have a fairly relaxed approach to sex yeah. so it, it may be an indication that might be quite a healthy thing to do oh, I, yeah. I, do this. <laughs> I mean I'm not saying everybody can I don't think I can I'm, I'm even after thinking about all of this and thinking what a good idea open relationships are practically and logistically I am not able to do it myself and I'm in a monogamous relationship but I think the fact that I've done all this work and me and my partner can talk quite openly about what monogamy yeah. means to us, what our boundaries are, and the fact that those might shift and move and be fluid, I think we can at least have some healthier conversations than in my previous relationships when, you know, yeah. it was just like, oh, if you ever look at anyone else or sit on the same deck of the bus, <laughs> That's right. uh, That's I will... Right. I will gouge your eyes out with a spoon. I will. Yes. What's the point you're trying to make? I will set up a SoundCloud page of just you snoring. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think you would have the relationship that you have now without doing all this research? Do you think it's changed you as a person? Absolutely. I think thinking about love more consciously has, has really changed my ability to recognize what I'm looking for and what I'm rubbish at and what I'm good at and what I what I can offer and what I can bring um and and also trying to call my partner out when I mean she she suffers really badly with PMT she is an absolutely gorgeous dream girlfriend for about three weeks of every four (laughs) (laughs) and then and then it gets to that day where I think oh no it's that week (laughs) And, uh, yeah, and I think, should I move out for a week every <laughs> month? Tour, darling. Uh, but it, it, yeah, exactly. Yeah, my tour dates never tour. kind yeah. of sync up with, you know, oh. that time. And in fact, um, <laughs> the period time, the, the premenstrual time actually very unfortunately fell 
in August um, on the week that we had decided to have a holiday on a little boat on the river. Oh, like, so two women in a very confined space, both in a sort of <laughs> kind of perimenopausal panic. <laughs> oh, <laughs> row harder. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, you know, it was one of those little... Um, you know, little you've got a little steering wheel and stuff, and and you're pootling along, and you can't Can even go very like fast. You know, that's a mistake anyway. Whatever yeah, mood you're in, that would have put me in that mood. <laughs> I know she was telling me, kept shouting at me to jump off and do the locks, you know, do the gate. <laughs> I was like, well, I'm not jumping off a moving boat onto a slime-covered ladder. What do you think I am? <laughs> oh, my God. I think exactly what you're saying is re- is true, Miranda, that you do all this research and it would change you. Mm. But I think we're so hardwired. I think you can intellectually know a million things but still not emotionally change. <laughs> that silence just for a yeah. moment. Yeah. Well, I mean, I hate to be the depressive person in the room, but I'm although, right. yeah, because we've been doing this podcast for <laughs> God knows how long now. You had sex yet? No, still, we still no. haven't had sex. None of us oh, really? have had sex. Uh, no, you had yeah. sex. I don't even mean with each other, just like in general. Since we, the day we started doing this yeah, podcast, yeah, fucked us up. haven't had an inch of cock. Yeah. Well. Yeah. well <laughs> The pictures she paints with her words, <laughs> doesn't she? It's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. But that's the interesting thing as well. Is is sometimes I worry that you can overanalyze it because all the famous mm. sex researchers had quite troubled sex lives, didn't they? Like Kinsey <laughs> and Masters and Johnson and all of these people. It was a bit dramatic and weird for them because. <laughs> I don't know so much about her sex life. Um, <laughs> maybe You're not watching she, the right video. <laughs> she was a one. Yeah. Um, but I, I think in some ways you can start to demystify it all too much. And I quite like to celebrate in my shows the, the, the mystery of it a bit as well. And sometimes we don't have all of the answers. Yeah. Tell us about the breakup. <laughs> Let's go on to this. Have you had... So is it, how, what's the format? Is it people's bad so, breakups, good breakups? Yeah, so, so, so I will always do a little introduction, a bit of comedy, a bit of stuff about love and relationships, a bit of... Um, it's sometimes a story of one of my old breakups, like maybe, um, you know, the woman that I was obsessed with at university who, you know, who wasn't gay, but I mean, she was bisexual for one day, but I missed it because I was on a field trip. Um, <laughs> um, you know, and I'll, I'll have some stories from my kind of very naive, terrible young days. Um, and then um, I will uh, get my guests up. I, it's usually two guests, sometimes three, and they kind of sit on a sofa. So it's almost like a sort of a kind of therapy session, but with an audience and laughs. And interestingly, we do sometimes get uh, relationship therapists in the audience. And I thought that's weird, isn't it? If they're coming to kind of get tips from comedians about <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how to do oh, their yeah. job. <laughs> tips from comedians about anything. That is, that's a bad idea. Um, so it's really a challenge show it's just really fun we chat about dating love sex and, and particular breakups but some people have a particular breakup story one of the most dramatic ones is a woman writer friend of mine who she broke up with her boyfriend and he he then went out and was involved in a really terrible car accident that day and he was in a coma in hospital and when he regained consciousness he had amnesia and he'd forgotten that she'd broken up with him and so 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 she had to stay with him for a while because none of his family (laughs) knew that she dumped him and so she kind of stayed with him for ages like another year or something (gasps) (laughs) 
line. She got oh. really bad. That's a great ploy. Oh, if you great. if someone breaks up with you, he's just like, oh no, coma. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember that, darling, but I do love you. <laughs> I love you so very much. I love you so very much. Yeah. Um, and then there's another episode where we had uh, Lynn Ruth Miller talking about dating for the over 80s, you know, oh, so yeah. we like to be diverse. We have all ages, all sexuality, people brilliant. from all different backgrounds. So, yeah. yeah. Have you yeah. had any nice breakup stories? Any, I'll look at your face. I was trying to think. Yeah. Is there a nice way to break up with someone? To be honest, I've pr- I'm probably the one who who kind of has, out of all the guests and people I've spoken to, has the kind of nicest in inverted commas experience because my ex, who is the person I was with through most of the narrative of the book, is monogamy dead. Mm. Um, we had a sort of conscious uncoupling. Um, I mean, I know the term sounds a bit pretentious, but um and is too strongly associated with a certain Miss Paltrow. But but you know, she didn't invent it. It was, you know, a family therapist who actually invented it. And I think the idea of separating consciously and celebrating all the things that are good about your partnership and the friendship and keeping hold of some of those yeah. is is quite a good idea. I think it's also yeah. a miracle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, very difficult. We certainly went through a few weeks that were very challenging, but then we kind of we were okay. I don't want to break up. I think I think I've worked out why I don't want to be with someone because you don't want to break up. I don't want them to die, or I don't want the breakup. <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily in that order. Yeah, <laughs> you want a dog. That's what you want. Do you get audience to share their stories as well? Occasionally, yes, but um, not not so much. It's more being just the chat on stage, to be honest. But yeah. I, I'm kind of thinking we might start doing that more. Um, yeah, yeah, we might. It's just you never. It's it's a lottery, that isn't it? You don't yeah. know what you're going to get. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I went out for a date with a guy, and then he just didn't text me back. Oh, boo, fucking who? <laughs> wow, that's happened to everyone. <laughs> but I'm thinking about um, at some point doing an episode where there is a call out for people to kind of record some stories and, yeah, and send yeah. oh, in yeah. you know and just do a compilation of just people out there rather than all my comedian and writer mates and stuff my and, most recent yeah. breakup was a text, text. <laughs> when, when was that I thought it might have been this. a page or something <laughs> yeah. like, someone threw a carry pigeon at my yeah. head <laughs> You <laughs> Smoke signals. So I yeah. went to Worthing, right? So I had this thing with this oh, bloke. Oh, well. well, I went to Worthing. I've been to Worthing twice in my life. I went to Worthing the first time. I had a weekend <laughs> with this bloke and came home. He dumped me by text. Second time I went for, to Worthing was for a root canal. <laughs> <laughs> that was less painful. And I was in the chair and the dentist was playing Cher and then Elvis. So I was blown away by that anyway. And then he leant over to me and I said to him, I said, I'd be to before and I was dumped by text and he went let's change those memories oh, 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 oh. and reader <laughs> I didn't marry him but it's not hilarious and then went at me with a drill oh wow. god mm. Um, yeah, no, at least he didn't try and gas you, though. So yeah. there's, yeah, 
it's quite nice. Are you are you taking the break? Sometimes I just don't know what to do with it. What are no. you taking the the breakup monologues on tour? Are you a little bit? Um, I'm I'm hoping to to do more and more of that and take mm. it around about. But we are doing a date in Oxford at the Science and Ideas Festival there at the Bullingdon, yeah. and that's because that's part of the Science Festival. It's going to be a bit more of a sciencey episode, looking at the kind of history and oh. culture and neuroscience of of heartbreak um, with some some academics so oh, yeah I'm gonna pop my glasses on and sort of be nerdy for that one yeah. and I yeah. real glasses you've got proper lenses <laughs> yes yes <Okay. laughs> oh, it'd be good wouldn't it just those, those comedy ones yeah. with like pictures of eyes on it yeah all yeah. the springy ones yeah. yeah that'd be amazing has there been any kind of advice that you've gotten from everyone's breakups has there been sort of like one thread where you're like right if you're going to go for a breakup this is how you do it or well I did an interesting um double header event with a psychologist called Janice Hiller um and we did an event for a company called Funzing where we both did a little talk and then we had a, a sort of Q&A between us and I asked her about kind of ways of getting over a breakup and she was saying that the the main trap that we all fall into is that we all remember all of the good stuff when you're looking back we tend to pop on our talking of spectacles uh, our rose tinted ones and we we kind of torture ourselves really by looking back through all the photos of really really good memories where she said what you've got to do really if you want to move on is is remember all the bad stuff and remember why that relationship wasn't working and why it actually ended did you know there's a museum of broken relationships in croatia yeah and they've got all exhibits from um people who sent in stuff that you know dramatic kind of things that, that that they sent to their ex or whatever and there's there's one exhibit that is the axe that a woman used to chop up the furniture that belonged to her ex lover when he'd gone off with somebody else. What's your worst breakup? Um, worst breakup? Oh, 30th birthday. Yeah. Dumped. Aww. Dumped on my 30th birthday. No. I know. I know. He had no any, um, did, he, did he know it was your birthday? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then it was like... Did you get uh, a present? Um, did I get a present? Oh yeah, I did. But it, because it was like, um, it was something like Samba lessons. For two. For two. <laughs> so I never even fucking got my Samba lessons. Oh. I know, I know. Oh. But I got to take my best mate to Butlins though. Which oh, is... that's a lovely story. <laughs> did, um, have you had anyone on your podcast that's been jilted? Oh, you mean actually jilted yeah. at the aisle? No, at the altar. Um, no, I haven't yet. I, maybe I'll have to look out for somebody. Yeah, because... I was I was really fascinated with that married at first sight um, program yeah. and and how that could possibly work like scientists matching people I find that really really fascinating but I was also going to say um, talking of birthdays and times of the year or specific days you might get dumped there's actually a graph that I found online of the peak breakup times throughout the year uh, as according to Facebook status updates no. <laughs> no. yeah and one of the kind of some of the biggest peaks are like New Year just after Christmas and just after summer holidays and stuff like that like when you've actually spent time together and gone oh no I don't like this person but one of the mini peaks was April Fool's Day and that'd be awful wouldn't it wow yeah you'd be like oh is it a joke (laughs) (laughs) oh it's like the coma story all over again (laughs) where'd you go with it say you met someone called Bobo Leach (laughs) 
and <laughs> just she, hypothetically, just and she no longer wanted to work with someone called <laughs> Miranda Con. <laughs> <laughs> how how would you advise you know Bobo to get rid of Miranda? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think Bobo should really think carefully because um no i'm not saying that at all but you I know just a very very good coma if <laughs> <laughs> if it needs but, you know i i think um it, it depends how much bobo was thought thought things through sometimes we can break up with people a bit too impulsively can't we without mm. really kind of you know having a good think through what what the relationship means to us so but if you have i mean if sorry if bobo has um sorry slipping, <laughs> sorry sorry if bobo has i know but if bobo has really you know thought things through and thinks that's About, the, the yeah, best way what miranda miranda miranda's miranda con can do it but he's you know better off yeah. Maybe um, she's just sick of being it, tied up in the basement. You know, and... communication is yeah. the key, I think. <laughs> you know no one believes it when someone says that. Well, oh, 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 come on now. Yeah. It's a pretty important thing. I think it is. I mean, yeah. I know it's hard. Like, human beings are we're not very good at it, are we? But I think yeah. we've got to try. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's... Could Bobo leave a post-it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gone. Bye. <laughs> Love you, mean it. Oh. Um, so where can well, people listen to the breakup monologues? Um, it's on all of the good podcast platforms, like iTunes, Spotify, and all, all the places, really. And if they want to come and see it live? If they want to come and see it live, um, we well, um, you can check me out on Twitter, at Rosie Wilby, also at Breakup Monologues on Instagram. And we've got dates coming up at King's Place um, on... October, yes, yes. October the 11th and November the 8th. And it's October 23rd, Oxford Science and Ideas Festival as well. So, yes. And then we'll have more shows next year as well. Should be having our annual Valentine's Eve show at Poplar Union on February 13th. So, uh, <laughs> so look out for that. Is this the third in the trilogy? You were saying you were doing a trilogy, or is there three different books within Oh, the so there was kind of three different comedy shows which started things off and then that led to the book um which had the same title as the middle part of the trilogy and the breakup monologues is a kind of a follow-on to all of that and is hopefully going to be also be the title of my second book which i'm working on now but you know i'm at that stage of pitching it to agents and publishers so um, you know we'll see (laughs) i mean you know i mean i'm sure i'm sure bobo has has some contacts (laughs) When I see her, I'll ask her. <laughs> <laughs> Rosie Wilby, thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> oh, wasn't she funny? Ah, oh, I love that. I love finding out. Like, it's so interesting to find out what she's learned through yeah. doing all the research into yeah. um, Is Monogamy Dead yeah. and and the breakup monologues. Yeah, and the psychology behind it all. And, yeah. and it is so interesting that she said it changed how she is in relationships because yeah. I, 
yeah, what's wrong with my brain that it can't change? I definitely know things. I know more now from 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 what we've done. Yeah. I mean, whatever this is, we do. Do you know what I mean? But I don't know if I fundamentally changed. Have you? I think so. I think I've learned a lot, but I'm yeah, and I think I'm more open. To st- am I? I don't know. Maybe I need to. Actually, I'm open to stuff. Yeah. 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 I loved the story about um, someone having the courage to break up with some bloke and then he ended up in a coma and she had to do it all again. I mean, (laughs) I'm calling calling bullshit on that. That is is quite the way to get out of a breakup and I shall be using that (laughs) (laughs) when the future Mr. Kane tries to break up for me. Can I say something and I hope this isn't controversial? Mm. I'd rather you die than break up with me. Oh, <laughs> thank you. That's because my... you need the extra money from the metro. <laughs> my... <laughs> that £2.50 would go a long way. My name is Bibi Lynch. I'm Miranda Kane. Good Sex, Bad Sex was produced by Juliet Nichols for metro.co.uk. God knows what she's done with Sam. <laughs> I'm never going to tell you. But you can get in touch with us on Twitter at goodsexbadsex with a triple X at the end. <sighs> I hate that. I know. And if you've got a sexy question, not a non-sexy question, just a sexy question. Sexy question. Uh, Any query, shoe size you want to know about mine, um, you want to get in touch, any topics you'd like us to cover, please do get in touch. Info at sexpod.co.uk. And we shall see you next week.